everyone. <laughs> Welcome to our first ever win present. I'm sorry about the technical difficulty at the beginning, but hopefully it gets better from that. Um, it's really, we're really, really happy to have you all here, even if we can't see your lovely, lovely faces. But um, I know that we've got a pretty wide range of people in the audience today. Um, from industry grads, people working for Olaf, um, <laughs> high school students, uni students, which is really amazing and pretty much um, exactly what we're trying to achieve. So I'm sure a lot of you are probably wondering what WEN Presents is since it's completely new. Um, and really it's just a way to kind of create a community and inspire some conversations and engage in a more diverse audience. I think when this year really wants to open up the conversation to everyone, um, especially those who are interested in like our message about um, diversity and inclusivity in engineering especially. And I think with this, we just kind of want to provide an opportunity for everyone, regardless of like male, female, etc., and at all stages in life to kind of come along, build some connections, ask some questions and Hopefully in the future when we have these events in, per um, in person, um, it could be a bit more social and a bit more hands-on, yeah. Yeah, for sure. EJ really said it all. Like, it's, it's all about an opportunity to build connections between women and allies in the engineering field, like whether you're studying, working, or just interested in engineering in general. Um, it, like, we kind of touched on it before, but when there's a common misconception that WEN is just for women, um, and WEN doesn't just need the support of women, it's the support of all of us to really um, get the message out there that it is a really diverse world and, and everyone coming together is how we actually create these amazing solutions to problems. Um, so the topics for WEN Presents kind of revolve around that in a way. Um, it's all about how engineers are building a better world together uh, with a focus on how diversity within engineering enables us to achieve awesome things. Uh, we're having to engage people on issues facing the world that we can all solve together um, and that we can solve in our communities as well as in the wider world. Um, and we'll have many different speakers each time on many different topics. Um, and each time we have a presenter, two presenters, uh, one win leader and one win ally. Yeah, so we'll be our, like the MCs of Win Presents going forward. And we'll be pretty much asking questions that we've prepared and also um, asking your questions that you want to um, hear about and interested in. So yeah, feel free to message in the Q&A throughout this whole, whole time. And, I'm guessing this will be a good time now to introduce ourselves. Um, my name is Emily Jade, but for convenience sakes, everyone just calls me EJ. And I'm currently a third year biomedical engineering student. I'm just trying my best, honestly. And um, yeah, this year I am a WIN leader and I'm mostly involved with outreach. So if you're a high school student watching, you may have heard slash seen from me before and We'll have the great fortune to for many, many times in the future. And um, yeah, I guess to help out with my like lack of interviewing prowess, we have probably one of the most personal people I know, Alex. Yeah, hi. So I'm Alex. Uh, I'm a fourth year engineering student at the University of Auckland and I study mechatronics. Um, as well as that, I'm very into the clubs area of engineering because there's such a diverse range of clubs in engineering specifically. Um, and this year I'm producing an annual theatre show called The Engineering Review. So if you're at Auckland Uni, sign up. We have our sign-ups closing tomorrow. It's a lot of fun always. Don't need any experience. Um, and yeah, as well as this, I have a really big interest in like thoughtful and meaningful applications of engineering. That's kind of why this event speaks volumes to me. Um, I'm just really excited to be a part of it and also be representing WIN Allies because it's a really cool initiative and you should all get involved. 
Uh, yeah, so our first topic, like I said before, uh, is engineering and inter-pandemic. Uh, engineers are natural problem solvers. Um, it's probably one of the most competitive skills that we have to offer, um, you know, as, as students and as professionals. Um, and many new problems have arisen throughout COVID that no one's actually seen before. And it's when you need this, like, changeable, like, problem-solving skill to, to really attack these problems and, and really make meaningful solutions to them. Um, and, and solving these uh, problems isn't just a problem for, for big companies uh, or people with lots of money. Like, it's, for, it's about all of us to do it. Um, we need to come together and do it together. And today we have three speakers who have done exactly that. Yeah, so as Alex mentioned, we've been really extremely lucky to get um, a couple of amazing speakers tonight, um, starting with Ola, who has kind of taken a why not do the essential work rather than nothing type of approach to lockdown, as well as Suyang, who is a recent graduate and is already doing some amazing work at her role at Zero. And last but not least, we have Michelle, who not only did she like recently sit down with the Prime Minister to talk about COVID-19, but she's also doing a multitude of other things to adapt to these changing times. Um, but before we get into all of that good stuff, I think this would be a good time to just um, remind you that we do have a survey at the end after the Q&A that we would really appreciate everyone filling out. And if you do, you automatically go into the draw to win a $50 voucher and it would only take like two or three minutes. As well as that, we'll be announcing um, the competition as well. Um, and we'll tell you more about the details later, but there's a $300 prize for that as well. So you definitely don't want to miss out. But. Yeah, and as well as that, um, throughout, if you want to hear, uh, if, you, if you have any questions, I guess, from, from your point of views, um, ask them in the question box below. If you haven't used Zoom webinar, there's like a Q&A feature if you, Scroll down below. Uh, yeah, uh, but if you ask those throughout, we can ask those at the end for the panel as well. Yeah, so our first speaker tonight, we have Ola. Um, for many um, of the URA students recognizing, um, watching, I'm sure a couple of the mechanical ones would recognize you. But for those who don't, could you tell us a bit about who you are and what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Olaf, and I head up the creative design and additive manufacturing lab at the University of Auckland, which is it's basically like a toy shop full of really cool advanced manufacturing toys, including 3D printers and stuff like that, that allow us to develop products really, really fast. And it's used by, well, just about everybody at the university, from art students, business students, and of course, engineering students in a big way. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I, like, how did you actually get into that? Because I hear you actually started off in a different industry altogether. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm mean, strange. Well, when I studied, I studied engineering, studied electronics, but I did that because my dad said, you're going to be an engineer. So off I went to university and actually hated it. So then as sort of rebellion, I went and worked in theater. So almost the opposite of engineering. So both on stage and a lot of backstage. So I did a lot of lighting in theater. Oh, that's uh, so cool. Yeah, I, and this is, I mean, to me, what I love about engineering is that you can do anything you want. But then if you want to go back to engineering, you've got the qualifications to do it. So many years later, I came to New Zealand and I wanted, this is probably about 23 years ago, I wanted to work in theatre, but there was no work available. But as it happens, we've got two companies in New Zealand that manufacture lighting equipment. So I started working for Theatre Light down in Onehanga, who manufacture lighting control this, that most high school kids who work in theatre will have played with some of the stuff I've, I've worked on. And that got me back full circle into engineering. And then I got headhunted by Silicon, another company that does lighting equipment. So this is what got me back to engineering. 
and this is, you know, if you do an engineering qualification, that's what's cool. If you want to work you know, as a hairdresser or work in theater or something that drives your passion, you can absolutely do it, but it gives you the options to pretty much go back and do, well, anything you want. Yeah. So we've heard that you're doing some really amazing things to help with the battle of the pandemic. But before we jump right into that, can you just talk a bit more about some of the 3D projects, um, 3D printing projects you do outside of work? Because it's, <laughs> I thought it's really, really cool. <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, you know, 3D printing is a great way to basically realize ideas. So one of the things I do as a hobby, and I've got one here, I make sort of 3D printed guitars as a hobby. This is sort of a steampunk guitar. I'll see if I can hold it up to the camera and you can see all the gears turn. So it's printed on a 3D printer all in one piece. And it's just an example of the kind of fun stuff I do. But we do really all sorts, I and mean, we do a lot of work with local artists. So that's an example, it's printed in metal, so in aluminium. It's an inflatable balloon animal, but he wanted them to be, you know, the contrast of really light and really heavy, so printed in metal as an example. I mean, we do a lot of work with, say, prosthetics. So that's an example for a two and a half year old girl, a little prosthetic arm for a two and a half year old girl, where we scan the residual limb and printed it her out a socket that fits her perfectly. And oh, wow really quickly it means every two months three months we can print a new one overnight ready to go so it's much quicker than the traditional way of doing it so work with engineers medical people all sorts helping them to realize ideas i guess well, you're definitely a bit more productive than me in my free time <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my gosh well obviously like um this, this like must have been somewhat affected by the pandemic and, and obviously COVID-19 that's all been happening. Um, like not only have you been restricted from being on campus, um, but I guess everyone's way of life has changed as well. What have you been doing throughout this time that's a bit different to that? Yeah, I mean, it, at first it struck us a bit by surprise, but luckily all the design work we can do just as easily from home as at work. What was missing was being able to take those ideas because when you design on a computer, it's just an idea until you test it for real you don't know what's going to work. But then we slowly started to see a need for COVID, particularly PPE, personal protective equipment. So we started working on that. And around the world now, there's been a movement of basically nerds and geeks like myself, 3D printers, particularly doing face shields, where one of the problems with PPE is there's plenty of PPE, but the challenge is getting it to the people who need it. So there's been a group around the world that on their home 3D printers have been printing face shields and then delivering them locally to the hospital or the hospice or the people who need them. So we started in that area, but then we started to see a problem of, you know, scaling it up to make more of them. So on the base, we got at the university. So we got, because of that, we got permission to re-enter the lab and start printing stuff for COVID. And we, to give you an example, so this is an example of a face shield we did. And the difference between this one and the ones that have been printed around the world is we've got a baby industrial machine. We can print 128 units in about six hours, whereas on desktop printers, each shield takes one, two, or three hours to print, depending on the design. So as a scaling it up, then from there, we went into, I guess, ventilation. So trying to make emergency ventilators, not for New Zealand, because New Zealand, I think, has got enough to go around, but for particularly developing countries that haven't got any. And again, normally I would have a video to show, but in this case, it took us in two weeks, we managed to get through three design iterations, testing each one. So in two weeks, we had a little mechatronic system that now works as an emergency uh, ventilator. Not, not a high-end replacement for the, you know, the $50,000 or $100,000 machines at in hospital, but when you've got nothing, 
it could save a life. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff we've been doing over, over COVID to try to sort of help speed things along. Wow, three oh. weeks, is, that's so fast now. I understand why you expect so much from our projects. <laughs> well, it's technology, I and mean, that's the beauty of technology. The technology is developed where the design tools, the prototyping tools, the manufacturing tools are now sort of plug and play where you can very quickly test an idea. Wow. That's so cool as well, how like it, it's so much faster than other other people in industry that are trying to do it as well. It's, it's quite awesome to see. And, and if any of you want to see more, there's so many videos on LinkedIn that I, I think I got taken one the other day and it's, it's really quite awesome. You, you don't know until you actually see it. So go, go check it out. Definitely. Yeah. So not going to lie, when we went into lockdown, like I took a bit of a holiday and well, like productivity was kind of at an all time low, but obviously you've managed to overcome this somehow, like, you know, doing such amazing work. Did you experience like a similar slump or how did you kind of overcome this? No, for me, it, it was actually almost the opposite, but maybe I'm an exception. I mean, I, I seem to spend a lot of my time in meetings and in, in that, where suddenly in lockdown, I had all this time. I actually got a lot more done than I would normally. But, but I, you know, I fully understand how, how a lot of people would not know what to do. But, and again, because we can do all the design on the computer, uh, you know, I actually got a lot more done than I normally would have, I think. Wow. And I guess building on that, like, what does that kind of give you compared to working? Was it, was it, it must have been more enjoyable, but did you have kind of a shift in your interest from that or anything? Um, well, I mean, I'd never designed any PPE before this. So this was sort of a whole, I mean, I guess, the, you know, the cool thing for the area I'm, I'm in, which is generally product development, is you never get bored because every week, every month, you're designing a new product. But of course, this COVID thing threw me in a whole different direction in an area I've never, ventilation is an example. I know nothing about ventilation systems. So mm. in a mad panic, I had to learn a lot of new stuff, talk to anesthetists and people at the DHBs to find out what was important in a ventilator. And to me, that's one of the keys to engineering is being able to learn quickly to solve problems that you've never, every engineering problem is a new problem. So you've got to figure out a new way to solve it. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. That that's so cool. Oh my God. Did you have specific, I guess, inspiration for this or, or did it just Well, it, it sort of started because I was bored at home with not enough to do. I, mean, I did design one new guitar and then I said, okay, what do I do now? And started looking around and that's when we started seeing that, you know, the shortage of, of personal protective equipment as an easily addressable one. And then from there it went into the slightly more sophisticated equipment like uh, ventilators. Oh. oh, that's so cool. Awesome. Um, and I guess, like kind of building on that, what do you think is next for you? And, and how can people keep up with what you're doing? Well, I mean, you, you know, we're continuously working on new projects, but this ventilation one, so we're now talking to New Zealand, so at, you know, people at Nelson DHB and various others as a, for example, when ambulances, so, so our ventilator works on what's called the ambu bag, which is you see them on, if you watch Grey's Anatomy or any medical dra drama, it's the, the rubber bags that people squeeze with their hand. So our ventilator is basically an, a mechatronic hand replacement. It replaces a human hand and you can control the speed, the pressure, all that sort of stuff. So where the interest is now is, you know, for example, when they're moving a patient from one part of a hospital to another part of the hospital, rather than having a doctor or a nurse having to waste their very valuable hand massaging the bag or in an ambulance, they actually have the machine doing it for them. Oh, wow. So it's just, again, it's, it's part of sort of emergency help. So we're wow. going to keep working on that. 
Yeah, that's really cool to know that like the work that you're doing, obviously for the pandemic, you can also like apply to other situations after this is going to be all yeah. over. Yeah. Well, thank you so much um, for take, um, taking your time to <laughs> have this little chat. Um, the next speaker we'll have is Suyang. Hello. <laughs> yeah, so um, Suyang is a recent, uh, a recent graduate, sorry. Um, working as a developer at Xero. Um, she's already making waves in the company and already has some awesome LinkedIn reviews, um, which is super cool. Um, but yeah, so you've actually recently graduated from University of Auckland, right? And we, were you studying software engineering? Uh, yes, I was. So right. I graduated two years ago um, and I did my um, graduate um, position at Xero and I've recently ungraduated, as we call it, in Xero. Um, <laughs> and now I am a software developer at Xero. Oh yeah. wow! Oh, that's so cool. But how have you um? How have you find working? Uh, how have you found working life so far? I guess I love working life. <laughs> um, I think it's a lot different from uni, where you just like study, have assignments, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's much more challenging and much more engaging, and I think I really like the aspect of it. Um, and I feel like with uni, it's very like you know. You, don't don't get me wrong, uni's great, <laughs> but it's also, you know, assignment after assignment after assignment, and then that's, that's about it, but with working life, it's, like, a lot different, it's, like, you, you know, are constantly getting challenged, and you're constantly building up your skills, and it's just been great, honestly. Oh, cool. So I feel like, um, especially now, that everyone kind of just tells you that doing, like, small things to keep healthy while you're at home is really important, especially since we're all kind of, like, working and studying from home. Um, it's it's times like these where like these really seemingly small additions can make a big change, and I know that that's kind of something that's what you've been doing at Zero. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so Zero's been really cool because um, basically in Zero we've been having something called the Shift Challenge, um, and basically it's like an initiative um, for people to kind of like pause what they're doing um, and kind of work on something that people can. Um, you know, help that we can help our clients through um, during COVID. Right. So it's not only just my team doing it, but it's like a lot of other teams as well. Um, but our team specifically, we decided to add in a button, which you're like, oh my God, it's like nothing. How can a button help? Um, but we actually found it's really important because um, with our button, um, so currently in Zero, I'm working on a team called Projects. Um, and that's basically, we have our clients and our customers and they use it to track projects or track um, job management. So for example, if I was like a web designer, then I would track my projects and I'd be like, okay, I have this client who wants me to make their website, this client who wants me to, you know, make uh -huh. another website. Yeah. And then in that project, I can track my time. And then when I track my time, then I can also invoice it out and it just makes everything really easy like that. Right. Um, so at this time at COVID, at COVID, um, in this time, in this um, COVID situation, it's really important for our clients to kind of quickly see the costs and the profitability that they're getting from each of the projects, so they can kind of um, see how they're doing. Right. Um, and currently, it's actually really hard in zero because you kind of have like this projects tab, but then to actually get this report, you kind of need to switch over to this other tab, which is like this accounting tab go under reports and then go find projects report and then run the project. So we found that actually a lot of our customers don't use that profitability report at all because it's just way too hard to find. 
Um, so we actually added a button like in our banner just to go straight to the project report. And we found that that was really important because, you know, we kind of need to have a summary of how we're all doing. And then hopefully, um, since some people know that reports are there, they'll be able to see how much um, their profits and their costs are going to cost them in this um, hard time. So that's what we're working on. I'm pretty sure it's actually live now, um, oh, which wow. is really cool. But yeah, um, we're hoping that, you know, like a small change like this will kind of ease the stress of our clients and our customers, um, you know, while they're in this hard time. Obviously, it's quite a big thing to try and balance your finances while um, there's hardships in businesses. So, yeah. yeah. And like making it more visible as well is super cool. Like, I'll, you know, when you can actually see it, it reminds you to check it as well, I guess, which is... Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Oh, oh that's so yeah. cool. Um, what's next for you, I guess? Like, like what are you thinking next? Um, any new projects you're working on or any other projects Zero has been doing? Um, so currently we're actually doing a lot more projects that are kind of related to COVID as well, which is really good. Um, so I don't know if I can reveal them. <laughs> so I probably won't, but we have some really cool, um, upcoming, exciting stuff, um, that will hopefully help people, um, you know, track their profits and stuff as well. Oh, cool. um, and make it easier for times like that. Um, and I'm really excited to work on it because it's like new features and stuff like that. So, yeah, no. Oh, oh my God, awesome. Well, we're expecting good. big things, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> hopefully you can hear more about it in the Q&A as well. Oh, um, yeah. Thank you, Suyong. Um, yeah, thanks. So last but not least, we have Michelle, who I've been told is um, a LinkedIn connection with Kevin um, <laughs> as well. Um, and obviously, you're quite a big name in the engineering world and personally you're a bit of a role model so I'm a bit starstruck um but for those who don't recognize you do you mind telling us a bit about who you are and what you do yeah so my name is Michelle Dickinson I have a PhD in engineering I'm a materials engineer by training I used to teach chem at the University of Auckland so I was a lecturer and I left um three and a half years ago to set up um, my own business all around helping educate younger people to become engineers from a much younger age. So now I run NanoGirls Lab and we help kids to build stuff and realize their unique engineering skills when they're really young. That's actually so cool. And, and like you just said, you're quite well known, um, a very respected engineering celebrity, I guess. Um, and you even have a superhero name, I hear. Can you tell us a bit about how that came about? Yeah, so when I was at UOA, I used to do outreach, um, like UEJ, I used to go out to schools um, and I would work mostly, at, I would do some secondary schools, but also primary schools. The research shows that children make up their mind about science by the age of 12. So it was really important to me that I was going to primary schools to build a strong foundation, as well as then going to high schools when um, students were making choices. And I was in Howick and I was talking to some kids about nanotech and what I did as my job and what tiny things were and how it can help you build superpowers. And they were like, they, these were probably year five. So they were like nine years old. And they're like, oh man, if you're a superhero, you need a superhero name. And I'm like, you're right, I do. <laughs> so they were like, so we went through all these superhero names and we picked Nanogirl and it stuck. And so now that's the name of our business, which is Nanogirl, helping every kid figure out what their superhero name is and how they can engineer their own superpowers. Oh, that's so cute. That's actually so cool. I, I guess that must have changed so much um, throughout COVID as well. Like your whole business must have changed and, and the outreach you do. Um, can you tell us a bit about how that did change? Yeah, so I feel like Olaf and I are buddies. I mean, we obviously know each other, but um, I went from engineering to theatre, whereas he came from theatre <laughs> to engineering. And so we've been working really hard building live engineering shows um, 
and we we've been doing so well that actually we hit the global scene and so in may this year we were supposed to go on tour for our global engineering tour with our nano girl share we were doing a month in australia six weeks in um saudi arabia and then two months in the uk including a full booking at the edinburgh fringe festival oh, wow. and we we're going to come back to new zealand in october having toured this amazing show um and then COVID hit so everybody cancelled and we lost all of our business in pretty much a day which is oh. quite challenging and we realized that live events were not going to happen for a quite a while but the need was going to be greater so we realized lockdown was coming in we spoke to teachers about how they were going to teach science and technology remotely and they just said we're just not going to do it they said we're going to skip stem because it's too hard to teach over zoom we don't know how to do it we'll just wait till the kids come back whenever that is and then we'll try and catch up then and we all know that the second you you lose stem you lose confidence and you may never go back to it and so we decided that we were going to pivot our business luckily as an engineer i know how to code and so we coded through the night we built ourselves a tv studio in our office and then we decided to camp here so i camped here with my husband over the whole of lockdown and we made content for um for young kids called nana girls lab i'm going to show you what we built in a second and then the ministry of education contacted us and said can we make tv shows to teach science for the home learning channel so we did that um, it's actually the most watched show on the on the science on the home learning channel and they've just commissioned us to do another six episodes teaching high school students so this is um year seven to year nine and what's lovely is we we teach a science concepts and we do an experiment that's lockdown friendly and then we dial in an actual researcher who talks about their field so that students can see their high school subject that may be a little bit dry and then meet a laser engineer who is blowing things apart using light you know meet a, a marine biologist who's listening to the sounds at the bottom of the oceans with a hydrophone so um so it's been quite fun to bring that to life i want to show you so we wanted to teach kids how to use stuff around their house in lockdown and we have 50 superpowers that you can build and so um ej this one's for you as a biomed person so this is a cardboard hand oh and then we've put some strings on there and we're teaching kids about tendons and you can put your hand in it and then attach the strings to your artificial tendons and then you can pick things up with your giant hand. Oh my so, God. I mean, this is like not even like 20 cents worth of material. So that's one. The other one we built, I mean, we built 50 of these. This is what I've been spending my lockdown doing is using my hands <laughs> to build. This is a tissue box and a toilet roll and a little flap of a plastic milk container. And we've built a paper straw on the back and you can make this roll around on the ground and it's a chatterbox. And so it's a basic machine. So <laughs> verify your parents. <laughs> you roll it around, it chatters. Like we built, if you like the pretty things we've taught about center of gravity, and this is basically a butterfly. Oh, um, wow. Two skewers, it's two wooden skewers and paper clips. And we teach kids how to move the center of gravity on a piece of paper so that you know you can balance things in places that you wouldn't expect them to balance. And then you can decorate them, you can wear it on your wrist. So we've been sort of teaching kids all sorts of engineering skills. This is a, a balloon on a toilet roll holder. And inside we took some leftover tin foil. And so when you want to celebrate your day, this is your celebration confetti cannon. And so you can. <laughs> That's so cool. There you go. We're trying to bring engineering to life for everybody. And, and yeah, we've been doing that. And, and what's been really special in lockdown is we've made every experiment for kids come with a parent cheat sheet because we want to make sure parents feel confident around helping their kids learn at home too. So that's what we've been busy with. So yeah, cool. I wish my medside lectures would make us make <laughs> a giant hand out of cardboard instead of like reading through my giant textbook. And oh. 
Yeah, honestly, you guys probably might not know, but Michelle is like way, way more up to times with like social media than I am. Like, you have a TikTok right now. Really? I shamelessly plug. Two. <laughs> I have two. I have the one as me, and then I have the one as Nano Girl. And I have to admit, so here's here's where diversity comes. So we have a great team at Nano Girl Labs. We're amazing, and and one of the people we did hire in lockdown is a 16 year old TikTok expert who trained me in TikTok. He's like, right, here are all the songs. Here's what you need to do. And so our Nano Girl Labs channel is headed up. The manager of that channel is a 16 year old. Um, wow. Student. Yeah. Unfortunately, so I haven't gone over to the dark side yet have not downloaded TikTok because I'm worried about my grades. <laughs> it is a hole. You can go down really far and never come back out. But it's been a great way to communicate science and engineering to a younger generation and it's been fun for me to keep upskilling and learning new things. Yeah, like I was how do you keep so up like up to date and proactive, especially when times are changing so quickly? I think it's about a flexibility of your mindset. I think it's an understanding that the world is always going to move. And if you don't keep doing little increments of catching up all the time, they're going to seem like really big steps. So for me, when TikTok came about, I was like, okay, I, I just don't get this. I'm too old for this. I need to <laughs> hang out with people who do get it and hire them to be leaders in their field. It's not often you would hire a 16 year old to lead a whole department, but he leads the TikTok department. And in his department, he's got people who are twice his age helping him find the content. And then he turns the content into something beautiful for TikTok. So it's, I think it's making sure you have the right people in place for the job. And sometimes that doesn't mean experience in life. Sometimes that means experience in what you need. Oh, wow. Oh, that's actually so cool. Like, I feel like not a lot of people would actually hire a 16 year old, you know, like people don't really take it seriously, especially with TikTok. So that's actually super cool. And it's cool that like jobs like that are also evolving now, you know, as, as um, social media gets more and more into yeah, so in our lives. Let's talk about jobs, right? So it, obviously studying is really, really important, but you'll find, um, and Suyan will probably say that actually, once you're working, nobody cares about your transcript as much as they care about your skills. Mm. And so your <laughs> grades are important, obviously. First year grades in, in engineering are really important to get your specialization, right? They're gonna give you the advantage. But the skill set and what you've done practically or you, what skills you can show are also really important. So to me, I looked for a TikTok engineer and I went to somebody who could show me the skills that they understood TikTok. And it doesn't matter how old you are or what your background is for them. So what I'm hearing is I just need to download TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to be a TikTok engineer, maybe you're the rest of your life. But, but having hands-on skills, that's why doing your industrial experience is so important. That's why your 800 hours is so important. And being able in those places and doing graduate programs, because that's where you really get an idea of all the different skill sets that you have and sort of what you are good at and where you would like to fit in an organization or in academia, depending on what you want to do. Yeah, just a bit unrelated. Um, but I thought I might ask you this because I thought you would have a good perspective. But I feel like um, as times are changing, obviously the engineering field is changing a lot and we're seeing more and more women entering the field, which I think is really amazing. Um, I, one thing I have noticed a little bit is that there is a bit of a, a teeny bit of like a stigma where people are like, oh, you only got that job or that position because companies or um, yeah are trying to meet a target and I just was wondering what your thoughts kind of was on about this and if you had any advice for people who are kind of experiencing that um yeah 
Yeah, don't just cut it. You're the best person for the job, that is it. <laughs> One of the challenges of quotas is that it can, it can be perceived as that, but let those people perceive it because you know you're good at your job and you know that you're there because you're good at job. And, and companies don't hire you because of your gender. They don't hire you because of targets. They, they know that to succeed, they need the best person for the role. And typically those opinions come from people who would expect if somebody has left, perhaps if Bob, let's say Bob left, it's really easy to find another Bob to go in and do what Bob did because you understood what that role was. But diversity of thought sometimes is about bringing in somebody who's different to give a different perspective. And that's really important. So for some people, they, they talk about that because they, they don't like change. And so it doesn't matter. Just ignore them because you know that you're the best person for that job and you're going to be bringing diverse thought with you. And, and that's what organizations need. Wow. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Tell them Michelle said, stuff it. That's it. That's all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if anyone says, just there, no, no, girl said, stuff it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. But look, people are always going to criticize people. Are, I don't know why, but people always want to say, it might not be about gender. It might be something else. And, and it's about knowing what your values are and knowing what your skills are and building your own confidence enough to know why you are amazing at what you do and what skills you're bringing to the role. Wow. Oh, awesome. Oh, thanks for that, Michelle. Um, well, like, what's next for you? Are you going to make a third TikTok account or how can people keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, so we, I mean, it's been pretty fun to live in this digital world and totally pivot a company. And we used to do live events and what we've learned is actually digital experience, if done right, can be almost as impactful as a real life experience. And so we're going to be building some unique digital platforms to help um, get to those kids. And also one of the things we did is we know that not every child in, in the world or in New Zealand has digital or access to digital. Mm -hmm. So we always offer all of our products as a buy one, give one. But instead of offering Give One Digitals to those who didn't, we partnered this year with um, Eat My Lunch and we made um, instructions for kids who got free lunches where they were printouts because they obviously didn't have internet at home, where they used their food packaging to make science experiments and engineering experience. And so we're going to be partnering with more charities and organizations around the world now to build solutions like that for those who are not um, maybe tech savvy or don't have access to still be able to do some of the things that we do and um, so yeah we're going to be looking at how do we make sure that we really have equity of access for all wow that's actually so cool oh my god thank you so much for sharing that with us and, and um to olaf and sion as well thank you guys for coming um, and speaking with us uh before we move on to the competition and all that kind of thing um it'd be awesome to get the three of you to do a q a panel hopefully with all of us um i know we have some questions in the q a box if anyone wants to ask any more questions Go down the bottom and type it into the Q&A box and we can ask for you. Um, but yeah, one question I guess I love asking to start it off is, um, do you have any tips for how students and younger people in engineering can develop their own meaningful projects? Because I think the three of you are quite passionate about what you do. Um, how can they actually do something that means something to them and also makes a contribution? Do you want me to start with that one or, or yeah? Please, please. I, I mean, to, to me, I mean, particularly, I mean, the one, I guess, I don't want to say the one good thing with this COVID pandemic, but, you know, the one thing that it has brought out is, you know, this is a problem that cannot be solved by one company. It's got to be solved by people all around the world working together. So one of the good things it's brought about is actually people, I mean, I'm collaborating with people all over the world on various PPE projects. So, so, you know, this is a good way of getting into medical products. And as I said, you know, I've never done anything like this before. So, so 
using this as I guess a bit of an opportunity opportunity to network with the right people is really really I mean it's fantastic. Yeah, I'll go. I, I mean, part of it is figuring out what you love and what your passion is. So part of that is just trying some things that maybe you haven't thought about was a career for you, but trying things that you, all different types of things mean that you really do get to figure out what you love and maybe what you don't like. And then with Olaf, with 3D printing, I mean, the world is changing so quickly that now you can have a concept and prototype it and build it with a 3D printer or build it out of cardboard or, you know, actually make something and bounce that idea off people. So I think it's a really exciting time to follow your passions and, and try and turn it into something real. And maybe yeah, just, to add, just to add to that, maybe don't discount cardboard. Cardboard is a fantastic <laughs> material. I mean, seriously, you know, before you print, do it in cardboard first and just, just before passing, <laughs> I mean, we've got about 100, we had about 128 people on board. If any of you guys need stuff 3D printed, email me the files and we'll print it for you. Uh, yeah. That's so cool. Oh yeah, to follow on for me, um, I feel like I really I resonate with what Michelle said, like, especially because we've just been in lockdown and my mind has been like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Um, it's been really good because I've actually started my personal project, which I've always had on my mind for like the longest time. You know, there's the whole, oh, I should make an app, you know, the classic, yeah. we should start a band, but I should make an app <laughs> for software engineers. Um, so yeah, it's been really good um, to start something and have the time to really like sit down and be like, oh, what am I passionate about? What do I really want to do um, personally? So cool. yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, awesome. Um, I guess I'll hit you with this question, Sion. Um, this is one in the Q&A box by anonymous attendee. I would credit you, but shout out in the chat if this was you. Um, they said, thank you all for the time, um, for taking the time to do this for us. Uh, what is the coolest thing about studying engineering at the University of Auckland? Ooh, I guess you guys could help me with this answer as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all three of you. Um, Two previous viewer lecturers in the chat are watching. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Um, honestly, I think the coolest thing about studying at University of Auckland Engineering is, the, um, well, for software engineering specifically, is that we had a lot of opportunity, opportunities to do a lot of project-based papers. Um, and I think that was so helpful and so much fun um, because I got to create relationships with people in my class. Um, we also learned how to use tools that we use on a regular basis, just like classic GitHub, and learn how to interact with people and you know, just like even simple, just like strengthening your um, soft skills as well, which is really important, which they don't really mention a lot in university, but it's so important when you start going out there in the field. Um, so for me, project work was definitely great. And it's also just like so cool being able to build something with like a team of your classmates. And it's just, you know, you, you know, it's just made by you guys. And it's just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really cool to see like the outcome and stuff. So that's my yeah. favorite. Yeah, we have some of the projects as well, so I know what you mean. Like, it's quite satisfying yeah. just having something that you've actually made from, like, the beginning to, like, the end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's also what, you know, Michelle was talking about earlier about what can you do. I think the projects really show what you can do, your applied skills, and that's what companies are looking for. If you can say, in my project I did this, that is worth a million bucks. Mm -hmm. We've got a, um, a question for Olaf. Um, what is your favorite thing you've 3D printed and does 3D printing offer advantages in terms of sustainability? Well, that's a, yeah, two different ones. I think my favorite stuff, I mean, I love the guitars because I used to play a lot of music, but 
in terms of sustainability, I think the good thing with 3D printing is it only uses the material you need for the part. And where we've had the most fun is in what we call light weighting, so making things lighter. Uh, and I've, actually, I've got an example of that, that here. It's a really weird engineering part. It's, it's a manifold. It's a hydraulic manifold, normally printed in stainless steel. So normally this would be a block, a block of steel that would weigh 16 kilos. This is now 1.4 kilos, so 95% weight saving. Now think about that if that goes on an airplane or if you've got to ship it around the world, you've now got a huge sustainability advantage, less fuel costs, less material costs, all of those sorts of things. So, so that's probably where, to me, it's really exciting from a sustainability point of view. Ooh. Yeah, sure. Did you need anything to add, uh, Michelle? Or I've got another another question here for you, I think specifically from Eventbrite. If I'm you what I, 3D, I have a 3D printer and I love 3D printing. And my favorite thing that I 3D printed is a Tyrannosaurus Rex shower head. So it's got a shower <laughs> device and then it's got these big teeth and then I modified it so the teeth were bigger and then it massages your head while you're showering. No way. Oh, God. <laughs> That's so cool. You have to you have to produce those and sit them on the market because I, I definitely want one now. Well, the great thing about three D printing is there's free sort of base oh. that you can download out there, and then I took that and then I modified it to sort of do what I wanted to do, which was scratch my head. Wow. Oh my god, Olaf! You and all your staff are going to get just a hundred orders for those. <laughs> oh well, um, Michelle, this one actually came through the Eventbrite when you sign up. Uh, this one was for you, I think. Um, can nanotechnology be used for tracking each and every human, like in fiction movies, for contact tracing during pandemics? Uh, well, hmm. technically, yes, but, but ethically, probably we won't do that. So. <laughs> good answer. That's a very good answer. Uh, so, look, nanotech can do a lot of things. And nano is just a size scale. So, you know, you could easily do a, a metal sort of tattoo that had a, a bit of a conductive pattern that you could put a barcode on, for example. We, we have, you know, ethics around that and we wouldn't start tagging people. Um, I mean, there's some conversation around, you know, what, I mean, there's some conspiracy theories around what Bill Gates is doing right now. And there's been a bit of a conspiracy theory around him creating a, a basically a copper nanoparticle that you could tattoo on. And then you could tell you if you've been vaccinated or not against COVID, that's not happening. And although things are theoretically possible, um, it doesn't mean that we do those sorts of things. I just want to quickly mention that um, I did mention that before we've got like a really wide range of um, people in the audience. So like in terms of like these question and answers, like if you are like a uni student and you can answer a question that maybe a high school student has put up, like feel free. Or if you're an industry um, graduate and you can answer a question, like feel free to like answer them on the Q&A chat as well. Like it's all yeah, about just yeah. kind of building this kind of network. So. For sure. Yeah. Um, oh. Looking at another question that came through for Eventbrite that I kind of liked is, do you think engineering could have prevented COVID? And if so, how? And then also, and how can we be better prepared for like any future pandemics? Could it, have, could it have prevented it before you knew about it? Probably not, but, but I think we're learning a lot from it for the next pandemic so we can react a hell of a lot quicker than we did this time. I mean, there's still countries now that are only reacting now, even though it's been going for two months. So I think, I mean, engineering will help resolve the next one, but I think we, we started a little bit late on this one. Potentially, I mean, we did really well in New Zealand, but a lot of the rest of the world didn't do so well, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I think part of the challenge too is, um, so I'm a communicator and so trying to explain quite scientific terms and concepts. Um, to, I'm, a, I'm a nanotechnologist, this is my thing. I love tiny viruses, but I realize that most people aren't experts in the invisible. And so it's taken a long time even just to help educate the public around what viruses are, how they transmit. So I think around, you know, what engineers can do is talk about their jobs, help people with scientific literacy and engineering literacy to make it more normal in conversation. Um, and from an invention point of view, I think a couple of things. So we know mathematical modeling and engineers are great modelers has been some of the saving graces of how we've decided to lock down certain areas. So, you know, those who love modeling, um, that's great. Also from a surfaces point of view, we know that there are different surfaces that viruses like to survive on and don't like to survive on. And so as materials engineers, you know, there's a lot of work that can be done around surfaces that perhaps will help to dehydrate the virus quicker, which means that it survives on there for less time, especially for medical surfaces and for masks and stuff. So I think there's a, a lot of things that we can build now in time for what may be another pandemic because viruses we know are going to be around for a long time unfortunately yeah, yeah. so a question that i've seen pop up in the q a and on eventbrite is like how did you guys get into engineering like what inspired you and how can students also be more proactive in like fighting COVID in our own way i know that so young you had a lot of experience in like hackathons so is that kind of how you got into engineering um actually not really <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> um how did I get into engineering? I kind of didn't even know what developing was or um, software development was when I was in high school because it wasn't something that I even knew was a career option. I didn't even know what coding was. And I think at the time when I was in high school, like it wasn't just something that was available to our high school or like just, I just didn't even know about it. Um, and the reason that I actually got into software engineering was because my high school te um, calculus teacher, <laughs> she was like my favorite. <laughs> and so, and she told me that she did engineering. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be an engineer. So I like hopped along and that was like my only decision to become an engineer. Um, but the reason why I decided to stay in software engineering is because um, I think in UOA, when you do engineering, you kind of go and do a bit of each specialization in your first year. I'm sure you guys have experienced that. Um, and when it came around to the software engineering, I just immediately fell in love because I was like, wow, like I've never experienced anything like this. Just like being able to build things up with your own, you know, hands and your own coding experience was really cool. So, yeah, no, it wasn't hackathons or anything like that for me. It was just pure luck that I really enjoyed my calculus high school teacher and I just really enjoyed uni. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess like speaking on that, um, Every, every, there's another question in the Q&A that says, is engineering really hard to study? I'm not sure I'm good enough at maths. Um, and I think everyone kind of has this idea that, you know, people that do engineering kind of want to do that for their whole lives and they kind of get to uni and, and they've trained their whole lives to be good at maths. Um, but a lot of engineering isn't actually maths. Like, like there's a lot of maths in it. Don't, don't like, don't think there's not, but um, it's not, you know, super, super complex math. I don't think I've actually done much math at all this year um, in a mechatronics degree. Uh, it's, it's more about the other skills that you learn as well. And there's like eight or nine different specializations. And I think maybe one of them is probably based solely around maths. Um, so if you don't like maths, don't take that one. But, you know, there's, there's so many different ones that you can do. Um, you don't have to be, you know, training your whole time for this. Like I only decided I want to do it in year 13, you know, and, and I'm sure you guys might be like that as well. So, yeah. 
Um, I guess, yeah. and, and I think a lot of it comes back also to how it's taught. You know, I think I think the context in which it's taught, taught. And I think Michelle said earlier, I think high school is pretty dry a lot of the topics. And when you don't understand what it's used for, you say, "Well, why do I care?" Because once you know what it's used for in the practical applications, you know. So I actually enjoyed maths in high school, but that's only because I had a really, really good teacher who actually explained it well in the context that we could understand. So yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Like teachers really kind of influence how you perceive a subject. But I think, yeah, like as Olive said, like once you actually kind of figure out what they're using the stuff for, it becomes a lot cooler. Like all of the bio stuff that I learn, like it seems a bit tedious, but when the lecturers actually like explain like what they use this information for to develop like new like technology or new procedures or whatever to help fix like actual real problems, it just becomes a lot more interesting. So Definitely don't be too disheartened if you don't think you're like too good at math. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess one question to kind of close us off here, um, coming out of lockdown, like all three of you, um, how do you think people can hit the ground running? And like, what is important more now than ever for engineers and, and students alike uh, coming into this new world where there's a lot, a lot of different challenges to, the, um, to the, what they were a few months ago? Oh, left, you want to start us off? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, the best way to my mind to hit the ground running is pick a problem and solve it. It doesn't matter what the problem is, whether it's medical, whether it's something to do with your, your bicycle, your scooter, it doesn't really matter. But pick any problem and figure out a way to solve it because engineering is about problem solving. It doesn't matter if it's software, electronics, mechanical, it's always problem solving. So, you know, pick anything and just do it. That's cool. I'll add to all that. So pick a problem, solve it, and then find a whole bunch of buddies who are not like you to help you solve it. Because not one person can ever solve one problem. Yep. Solutions are always from people who are usually very different to you. And you probably wouldn't go out with to the pub or out with a party. They're usually the opposite people that you would hang out with normally. Find those people, because actually that diversity of thought is really important. Yeah, I think I'm basically the same as um, Olaf and Michelle. I think being proactive is definitely some a skill that is so important in the workforce. And it's like constantly, you know, you, it's constantly being able to be improved. And something that I guess I haven't really been taught in, in university. Um, so just like going out there and being like, you know, here's a problem. What should I do about it? Oh, I can just make something to solve it. You know, it's really important to just proactively go out there and um, do what you know, you can. Yeah, because yeah, I reckon if a lot of us think about it as well, like you, you think about solving problems, I feel like most of us would like solving problems a lot more than we like math, you know? And it's, <laughs> it's not just about the math, it's very much about solving the problems. So that's really cool that you guys all agree on that as well. Um, yeah, I think that might be all the time we have for questions, unless you had one more that you wanted to do, EJ. Or we can no, move. I okay. don't. No? Um, but awesome. I think just reading the chats and the questions, I everyone's just kind of been like yeah really amazed by you guys and the answers that you've given so thank you so much um for taking time out of your busy schedules i'm sure on your monday night to come and <laughs> talk about and give a bit more insight onto engineering and what you do and how we can all kind of play a, a little role in you know this crazy crazy time 